Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help raise your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hey everybody, Hallie Kiefer here. And Allison Libby here. And we are back for just another phantasmagorium of creepy crawly dread in our October spooktacular. Spooktacular. And so far, the most enjoyable part of it is the the treat of watching Allison watch the trailers for all of our October movies. Because it's just different shades of fear and terror passing across her face. And I yeah. love it. I mean, there's just no way I could watch anything that we've covered. Um the trailers alone give me nightmares. Much like uh, another venture that we've been taking you all on this month, which is uh, tasting the worst candy for some reason, because we hate ourselves. Uh, we took all of the fun of Halloween and we're like, well, what if it was bad? What if we were dumb and we did something bad to make ourselves eat poison? I don't poison. know. We did I, it. I feel like we're eating poison. And we, this is, we, of course, getting closer to the end of the month, which means we are getting to the worst candies, and you will not be surprised. Oh, we are like out of doozy. This week's entry is good and plenty. Good and plenty. Now, do you like black licorice? No. And also, there's a hard, can, flavorless candy shell also, around it. Also, it's like white and mauve. Like, it's not even like fun colors. <laughs> you can make this candy anything, and you made it look like Advil. I'd rather eat Advil. Right, yeah, Advil does not, when you open the bottle, hit you with a powerful stench the way they couldn't plenty do. Yeah, like fake anise. Like, it's so, I feel bad. We're never going to be sponsored by Good and Plenty. Good and Plenty, we're sorry, but your candies are terrible. I, I, please don't. This is our opinion. This is simply, allegedly, they taste bad. This is all commentary. All commentary. And my package on mine says a fat-free candy. And I'm like, I guess that's the draw. Um, I have, oh yeah, it does say fabric candy. I bought a box. It was a, it was the only box they had at my drugstore and it looks like it has been, it has made it from the initial run of good and plenties through many shipping containers and warehouses to get to me. So if I die, it might not even just be good and plenty. It might be whatever has transpired where that box has been. Um, but I will say, much like our um, previous contenders in the Worst Candy Contest, um, White Chocolate and Whoppers, there are defenders of Good and Plenty, including my friend Courtney. Hi, I don't know if you're listening. Who called, I always remember, called Good and Plenty's Precious and Fuse because she loved them so much. What? This is as a child. This is like in high school she would as a ch- Like, there's things that, like, I like now where, like, as a child, I would have been like, this is disgusting. But this is not. All right. What, what, all right, we're which doing color it. We're are you doing? Now, I'm trying the the mauve. What color? Okay. <laughs> also the mauve, but I have a white in my hand as well. But also, I want to be clear, they're not going to taste different. <laughs> you you I seem know, to think but... that that will be, make a difference, but... <laughs> Again, I'm trying to do due diligence if this okay. is going to be. Oh, my God. I can't even bite through it. Oh, my God, I hate it so much. Oh, my God, this is so bad. This Boy. is so hard. Boy. It, okay, mine is uh, gone bad. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I, mine are not hard. <laughs> I think you probably have, it was like a 30-year-old box. I have old um, good and plenties. Oh, my God. Ooh. It tastes like wood. It tastes like medicine, like I herbal have to spit medicine. This out. <laughs> I legitimately have to spit it out because I can't chew it. I feel like it tastes so medicinal. It's like goop would tell you to eat these because it's like a natural medicine or something. I'll be honest, the licorice part was bad, but I almost feel like the candy coating is worse. It's gritty. I, it's really bad. It's painfully I mean, sweet. It's really hard to tell because mine are old. So Yeah, that's a good point. I can't believe yours aren't hard. Mine were so hard. <laughs> no, mine are, are soft. Because, oh, of course, I've spilled them all over the table, so we got that going for us. Oh, my God. This is the worst taste on earth. They oh. look like medicine, and they taste like medicine. I prefer the taste of medicine to that. I'm going to try like, a white one. Okay. They're not good. They're not as bad no. as I thought they would be. No. Mine are falling apart in my mouth like rocks. This is tough. No. Okay. Are you ready to weigh in? Are you ready to give it a, one. a number? A one. One. So this is lower than candy corn. This is lower than candy corn for me. Wow. For sure. I'd rather eat that wet, buttery sand than this disgusting, hard medicine any day. Yeah, me too. I'm going to, I'm going to, well, I'm going to give this a two because I feel yeah, like mine okay. are softer and I, the licorice part isn't great, but it is, I don't mind it as much as the hard candy, hard, gritty shell that crushes Why? in your teeth. I think, Ugh. again, like um, most, a lot of these candies, they're of a different time, but they must a have serving um, fans. Size is 25 of them. <laughs> so maybe that's the, it's like a diet candy because one, you don't want to eat it. So you're not Ooh, going to eat yeah, as many. Right. But if you really wanted to, you could eat 25. And, and it would um, still be 110 calories. Yeah, this, I could see, like, Gwyneth Paltrow being like, oh my God, good and plenty are my favorite candy. She's like, I indulge and have two. You know, it's really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, um, sorry, good and plenty. That's a big no for us. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a two also. Two. No, yeah. I'm going to give it a one because mine were old. You have to follow your heart. Yeah, they that might old. not be the company's fault, but they were old. <laughs> it's CBS's fault. Boy, and if there's anything that's going to leave a worse taste in your mouth, Allison, it's going to be the movie we're doing this week, <laughs> which is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oof, God. Now, I had never seen it before, so this is a fun treat for myself yes. as well. And we had Allison watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre trailer. What are your thoughts? My first thought is, was this based on a true story? So that is, the, that is how it was sort of marketed. So okay. in much we would say like a Blair Witch um, was marketed as being okay. based on a true story. So in a, in a sense, no, it is not literally based <laughs> on an actual, okay. but it's sort of loosely based on the story of a serial killer. Oh, this is what at least people say. The okay. serial killer Ed Gein. Do you know him? Or Gein, I guess. No. Do you know, are you familiar with Ed Gein? Yeah. Let me no. go just look him up real quick. Because I believe my memory of <sighs> him like, you know, one of the many heavy hitters uh, in American... I'll say America is number one for serial killers. Look, so we're far. good at that, and we always will be. Yeah, it's like us, Russia, and I don't even know where else. But uh, yeah, so he uh, was a serial killer in 19... Uh, no, he wasn't a serial killer. I, I suppose he was a murderer and also a body snatcher. So oh. uh, he didn't kill as many people as, as serial killers kill, but he did uh, exhume corpses from local graveyards and fashion trophies and keepsakes from their bones and skin. This no! is the Ed Gein, um, or Ed Gein Wikipedia article. And to be clear, he did kill two women. So he also did kill people, but I guess technically he wasn't 
kill enough people or in the time period to be a serial killer. He is just a full creep. Oh, God. And I think what's tough about that is like body snatcher does it. That almost seems fun. Like the word snatch, like that's like, oh, he yeah. took a body, snatched it up. No, he no. There's up- nothing fun about digging up corpses and making memorabilia out of parts of them. Yeah, so I think that that is his. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, there's a, uh, it's funny, there's a uh, list of things he made. I'm just going to read a few real quick. Okay. So these are things when he was finally arrested for these murders. Here are things they found in his actual home Uh. a wastebasket made of human skin. No. Oh my God. (laughs) Human skin covering several chair seats. No. Skulls on his bedpost. Obvious. That's like so tame in comparison. Bulls made from human skulls. Oh. A corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist. No. Masks made from the skin nope. of female not, heads. Nope. Matt, absolutely not skin masks. No. One of his no. victims, her name was nope. Mary Hogan, her face was a mask and it was in a paper bag. This is a real person that did this. This is a real person in the 50s, which seem like a more innocuous time. Oh, God. You know what's funny is I actually read the least terrifying things. Allison, you are no. going to hate this. <laughs> they found. This is real. This is real. This is a real person that this really happened. <sighs> Not, okay, nine vulva or vulvae? Nine oh, women's no. vulvas in a shoebox. No. The reason you don't know how to say the plural of vulva is because there's literally not a it, it time to ever said. use it. It should it never be said. It shouldn't be said. It shouldn't come up. You should address them one at a time, like the individual people they belong to. Oh, my shouldn't God. Shouldn't be in a shoebox. Shouldn't be a collection. A belt made from human female human nipples. No. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. Oh my God. And finally, <laughs> a lampshade made from the skin of a human face. No. What? So. Okay. Uh, so while this is not strictly based on this story, because there's like different characters and stuff, the the uh, scavenging, grave robbing, and assembling things from body parts does come into play in the film in the same way that this actual person <sighs> who actually lived uh, in Wisconsin. Um, the sensibilities are the same. Mm, yes, no. his sense of his sense of interior design <laughs> is the, the same, same as the characters. <laughs> um, and I guess Ed, Ed Gein's story also inspired movies like Psycho and The Silence of the Lambs, which makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so the idea of like taking a human... Yeah, how do you feel about that? Let's take a baseline scary. How, do you, how scary do you find the idea of somebody taking a human body and just sort of making stuff out of it? Um, I would say bad. Mm-hmm. I feel bad don't about like that. I don't like mm-hmm. it. I don't support it. I also, like, I have, I think that taxidermy is weird. Yes. And this is yeah. a worse version of that. Like, taxidermy to me is, like, a, such a bizarre practice. Yeah, it's um, one of those things where it really, I, I think the scary thing about this movie and, and what I did find very terrifying in this movie and other horror movies are, like, the idea of, like, people not having a correct response to a dead body, which is... Um, reverence, but also fear and disgust. Like, those all three are fine. Yes. It should be a mix of all three, honestly. Yes. A healthy dose of all three. And if you don't have one or more, things seem to... It's like... We got a problem. And I guess it reminds me of, like, Jeffrey Dahmer also did sort of similar stuff. Ted Bundy also kept... I guess a lot of serial killers keep the bodies. And I guess it's sort of like... There must be something mentally wrong with that that kind of person 
Yeah. Where it's like their brain so. doesn't have that response of like, oh no, I am both scared and sad and yeah. grossed out. They must and just what I have shouldn't the do is touch this and do anything with it. I shouldn't take it home and make a hat out of it. Yeah, nothing they about this screams floor lamp, you know? Right. And uh, it may be screaming, oh, dear God, no, please don't make me do a floor <laughs> lamp. So I guess um, that's why I think this is a part of classic is like, yeah, it's not based on a true story per se, but it is not, not it's not like this kind of stuff hasn't happened. It is inspired by true events. Exactly. And that's so, terrifying. So uh, before we begin, I always like to have Allison make a couple predictions. What do you think is going to happen to this movie based on what you've seen in the trailer and the title? I mean, it seems like it's a family of monsters. Mm -hmm. uh, And by monsters, I mean body snatchers and murderers who Mm -hmm. wear other people's faces, terrorizing uh, like hot 20-year-olds who don't wear bras. Right. Who are our most precious commodities. It's true. Is this like the first sexy horror movie? I don't know if it's the first, but it's certainly one of the most iconic yes. final girls, hot blonde running through the woods screaming. Yes, okay. You know, trying to escape a killer. It is definitely up um, there as one of the, like, important first ones. Exactly. It definitely okay. changed the game because, people look, people loved it, you know? Yeah. People love seeing a terrified woman run through the woods <laughs> being chased by a chainsaw, as we now see. <laughs> also, I thought it was funny, in the trailer it says, this is a movie that's just as real, just as close, and just as terrifying as being there. No, not true. No, being there would be... Uh, way worse. Way worse. I mean, this is scary. I appreciate they're trying to sell it. But, like, guys, come on. Yeah. All right. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre begins with my favorite thing, which is text on the screen. Oh, Text scariest. on the screen to contextualize what we're about to see. Great. <clears throat> also, I believe it is uh, the narrator's John Larroquette from Night Court. Oh. He does not appear in the film, but he is the narrator. That's fun. The film, which you are about to see, is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular Sally Hedesty, Hedesty? Hedesty, and her invalid brother Franklin. Oh, no. It is all the more tragic that they were young, but had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see much of the mad and the macabre as they were to see that day. Yeah, I don't think anyone, no matter what age, Wants to see what they're about to see. No, cumulatively, over the course of any human life, you will not see that much uh, horror and macabre as you do in this movie. Yeah, like, we don't want this. I don't want this to happen to an 18-year-old, but I also don't want it to happen to a 90-year-old. It's bad at any age. No. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day led to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, again, to to make you think this is real. Yes. So the, the movie opens, and this is probably like my favorite movie opening I've seen in a long time. You just hear it's, it's uh, darkness and somebody panting and struggling. A man's oh, panting God. and struggling voice. And then you see camera flashes. And each camera flash, we assume it's night, we see a corpse's, like a corpse's hand, its face, a foot and a boot. We un- uncontextualized. Yes. So we're just seeing horrible flashes. Is of- one of them teeth? Teeth were in the... Oh, yeah. Teeth, a grinning, Teeth were a big part of the grin. trailer, and I didn't like it. Yeah, a lot of teeth stuff in this. And over these shots, we hear a radio um, announcement, a story. So basically, there's been a grave robbing incident where someone made a grisly work of art with exhumed bodies in the cemetery outside of Newt, Texas. Mm. Cut to, we are seeing that grisly work of art. Oh, and no. it is a rotting corpse. No. Which I believe you also see in the trailer. You see a lot of the trailer. You actually. see a lot in the trailer. So go ahead and watch the trailer, guys. 
Um, it is like a grinning, melting, rotting corpse clutching another skull on top of like a monument in a graveyard. And you're listening to the story. And it's very funny because they say like Sheriff Jesus Maldonado pointed to forces from outside the state. So if this was made in 2020, they, they would be blaming Antifa is what it sounds yeah. like. Yep, that sounds about right. Texas would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, guys, I got some bad news. Somebody's doing that. That guy lives within a block from yeah. the, of the graveyard. Like, he's not yeah. going to go across state to do this. No one's traveling to do that kind of art. Yeah, he doesn't have his schedule together. You mean, like, whoever's <laughs> doing this, like, his priorities are out of whack. He's not going to cross <laughs> state lines to do this. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Anywho, no suspects are in custody. And, you know, we begin. And we open on a van full of, like, cute, perky, white... I guess, like, either late teens, early 20s, you know, fresh face, driving sure. through the hot Texas countryside. And what I really like is you keep hearing the radio, and, like, it's sort of like this other litany of terrible things that have happened, like a cholera outbreak, a oh, uh, building collapse, two dead bodies found in Indiana with their genitals removed. Like, it's sort of wow. like this is a story that you haven't heard of because the world is filled with terrible things. So, of course, we didn't hear this one terrible thing. There's okay. so many terrible things. So we're in a van, and the van stops, and we meet uh, Kirk, Franklin, Sally, uh, Jerry, and Pam. Sally and Franklin are brother and sister. Okay. And Franklin is in a wheelchair. Okay. Um, which doesn't really come up as, like, it's sort of like, I appreciate having somebody be disabled, but the only time it comes, in a film, like, I think we should depict disability more often. But right. it seems like the only uh, reason it's in there is to sort of, like, embarrass or make fun of him or, mm. or have it be difficult for him to escape things. So it seems like Franklin is just sort of there to be weird, a yeah. weird guy. That's a bummer. But you do feel, you feel for him, and yes. we'll get into why. So Kirk helps Franklin out of the van so he can pee on the side of the road, and of course, his wheelchair starts rolling down a hill, and he's wow. screaming, okay. and everyone's screaming, and he hits the bottom of the, of the hill, and he rolls out Perfect. into sort of like a grassy area, and he's thrown from his wheelchair, and Barrel rolls down this hill, and Kirk's like, oh, shit, and has to run after him. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with the movie. So okay. that's why I wanted to say, like, it seems like they're just there to, like, make fun of him in this way that it's like, well, that doesn't connect to what happens in right. the film in if any way. If in that, then he, like, stumbles upon something because he rolled into an area that no one would have been in, then it's like, okay, right. I guess I see, like, this is a necessary— But just to do that, to do it, feels— Exactly. Or, like, he. Cool. this is somehow he's, like, he escapes— because he's like, oh my God, I can get away down a hill. Or, or right. it played into like, oh, I realize I can use my lock on a wheelchair. Yeah. He just fall, flies down a hill and rolls away and everyone has to like help him, you know? Oh. So they're driving and we don't really know exactly, but eventually we find out that their um, grandfather, Sally and Franklin, is buried in that cemetery. Okay. So they are going with their friends to make sure that his body was not one of the bodies that was dug up. And it's incredibly hot, and just they don't have AC. And Pam, the other girl, is reading out loud from a book about the Zodiac. So it's already in my nightmare. Okay. Yeah, no, Like that's being in terrible. a van with a bunch of people having to hear about the Zodiac. And we hear Pam explain that Saturn is currently in retrograde. Oh, one of and these Saturn, bitches. Exactly. Oh, yeah, she's, ta she's all about the Zodiac. Saturn is, is a malefic planet. And basically what that means is that it's an evil planet and it's, it has a bad influence, and it's particularly bad when it's in retrograde. So Okay, sure. Yeah, and everyone's like, okay, Pam, you know. So they go up, they show up to the cemetery, and there's a lot of people who have sort of staked out. Like, there's locals in the cemetery hanging out because they're trying to sort of either prevent this from happening or catch the person who's been doing it. 
Because it wasn't okay. just one time. At least 12 bodies have been taken over right. time. Right, that's an art installation. Yes, yeah, somebody spent a lot of time yeah. figuring this out. So she shows up and, and somebody's like, I'll take you to the sheriff. And their grandfather's uh, grave has not been disturbed. Okay. So, you know, Franklin's like, it seems like a little more distraught about it, but F- Sally's like, I saw it. It's, it. There's grass on it. Like, it's fine. This is distressing, but our grandfather's great. And what we understand is, like, their grandfather is from this town, and they ostensibly, their, one of their parents moved away. So they've been to see to this town, but they're not from there. Okay. And they've only really visited their grandfather, like, a little bit. So they're not really familiar with the area, but they decide, oh, we're going to go visit his house. Like, okay. it was sort of like the homestead. Sure. Just to see it, because they did, like, have these memories from growing up. Like, there was, like, a watering hole in the back. And, you know, they sort of, like, they stayed there. And they're just like, well, we're, we're here. We might as well stop by. So they go. And while they're driving, they did something that is the most 1974 thing possible. And that is, Allison, they pick up a hitchhiker. It is crazy that that was just an accepted thing that went on for decades. And I guess it's sort of like, it, I'm sure someone has done this study, or it's like, when yeah. did that end? When yeah. did that become acceptable? I guess it was during this time period where you did hear about serial killers more often, or people hurting, randomly right. hurting other people. Yeah, random violence. Because they don't, I mean, Pam is a little bit like, oh, that guy looks weird, but nobody, nobody is phased by it. And they're like, right. cool, you know, like, yeah. Like college students, so it's like, exactly. So it's like, oh, we're all in it together, you know. So they pick him up, and as they're, oh, no, they're about to pick him up, and as they're driving, they pass a slaughterhouse. And Franklin's like, oh, that's where our grandfather used to work. And he talks about, like, in great detail, he's like, oh, yeah, they used to use a sledgehammer to kill the cows, and now they use an air bolt, and it drives a bolt to their brain. And Pam is a vegetarian. She's like, I'm going to puke. Nope. Stop talking about this. And he's like, okay. And then you pass by this slaughterhouse with all these cows. And I think, like, the thing we're supposed to evoke is, like, now they are now cows. Like, they are yes. going to their slaughter. Yes. And they hor- saw this horrible rank smell, and it's all the cows. And so as they pass the slaughterhouse, they see a hitchhiker, like, right outside of it. So they pick him up. And this guy is, at a glance, the weirdest guy you've ever seen. Oh, good. Definitely pick him up then. Don't ask any questions. Just do and it. There's no question. Franklin even says, I think we just picked up Dracula. <laughs> and it's like, at least Franklin is pointing it out. Yes, thank you. And this movie is peak, like, if someone is a hillbilly or they are strange looking, or in this case, the hitchhiker has like a port wine stained birthmark on his face. Oh. If somebody looks weird, they are not simply weird, but evil, basically. Evil. Yeah, don't let them in the car. Don't drive them around. That's not what you should do. And the man does have a, a couple of open sores on his face. Okay, see, no, no. But I'm saying most people who have port wine stains on their face or from Texas aren't great. Frankly, they're more fun at a party than most people. But this movie is like, if someone looks weird, they are weird. Yes. You know what I mean? The same way that, like, you're going to be in a wheelchair, but you're just going to fall down a hill and we're not going to connect you to the plot. Right. Like, if someone looks odd, just assume that they are a serial killer or body snatcher in this movie. Yeah, that makes sense. In, in the movie, but I'm saying in real life, those people are fine. Right. Not no. about this, Allison. But in this film... That yes. makes sense. Because, like, yeah. we're already living in a world where it's, like, uh, people are just, like, putting together dead body stuff. Uh, exactly. But they stop and they pick him up. And this guy is immediately, he's laughing to himself. And he and Franklin get into a conversation about the sledgehammer versus the air gun. Because the guy's like, oh, I used to work at the slaughterhouse and I would kill cows with a sledgehammer. I was at the slaughterhouse. I got an uncle that works at the slaughterhouse. Hey, my, my brother worked there. My, my grandfather, too. <laughs> My family's always been in me. 
own family attractions. But then they switched to the air bolt, and a lot of people got laid off. So I think the sledgehammer's better. Okay. You know, sometimes you have to hit the cow a couple times, and it, would, it wouldn't die. And Pam is, like, trying not to vomit. Yeah. yeah. As someone who eats meat, I'm even more put off by it. Yeah, and I think Sally says, like, I'd like to be able to eat meat again, so could we please stop talking about right. this? Which then it's like, ah, oh, we're all going to turn our eyes to the horrors of the way that we manage uh, meat consumption in this country. But exactly. anyway, moving on. So the hitchhiker reaches in. He has sort of like a little pouch made out of, I think, a fox fur or something. He has some okay. sort of dead animal pouch. Yeah, and he pulls right. out photos, and he hands it to Franklin, and they're just pictures of the dead cows he killed. No. No, why? And he's, like, and he's like, you know, um, do you know how they make head cheese? They boil the head and they scrape all the meat off and they turn it into cheese. And you're like, oh boy. Also, like, this is the 70s. Like, yeah, we had cameras for a while. But, like, it wasn't like now where you take a photo of literally everything that ever happens to you. Because it doesn't matter because it doesn't cost you anything. Like, to take and develop photos was so intentional then. Well, so um, another thing that this hitchhiker has is he has a Polaroid camera. Okay. So I was kind of surprised. Like, oh, he has, like... What seems to be an early Polaroid camera, as far as yeah. I'm aware. So he, I guess we think he, he documents a lot of stuff. And we see his camera, which has a flash on it, which makes us think to the beginning, where we saw those flashes of light. And okay, we saw those interesting, yes. Pieces of a corpse. So we're like, okay, was he photographing these corpses for yes. reasons unknown? So Franklin is kind of gross. And like, uh, it's sort of like, he, it's clearly like Franklin has been just invited along like, his yeah. sister's like, yes, Franklin can come in. We're with my friends. And so, but you do sympathize where it's like, yeah, Franklin's weird, but, like, he's he means well. He's just maybe a little bit odd. So he starts cleaning his fingernails with a pocket knife, which is disgusting. That is horrible. And at one point, he's sort of, like, stabbing the side of the van door absentmindedly. Like, a lot okay. of knife work in a yeah, way Yeah, a lot of knife work. So the hitchhiker grabs Franklin's knife and, laughing, starts cutting into his own palm. Nope. Mm-mm. Everyone's like, whoa, everyone has an appropriate reaction. But they do not pull the car over, That's Allison. See, that's like, that, that they didn't have the appropriate reaction. Because the appropriate right. reaction is to be like, get the fuck out of our car, you psychopath. Right. Or to say, hey, Jerry, because Jerry's one's driving, pull the, car, pull the van yeah. over. Right. This yeah. guy just cut himself with Franklin's knife. His knife that he was cleaning his fingernails with. Right, a filthy knife. And then he just hands it back to Franklin. And all of them are just watching him stunned, you know. And the hitchhiker pulls up his pant leg, and he's like, I have a knife, too. And he pulls it out. And it's actually a straight razor. Nope, not a knife. And Kirk, Kirk has a very funny leg. He's like, oh, could you put that one away, too? <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, cool. Cool. And then the hitchhiker no, uh, takes his camera, and he takes a picture of Franklin. And he develops it. And uh, they're all like, did you just take his photo? You know, what's going yeah, on? What's happening? And he says, oh, you know, can you guys drop me off at my house? It's really close. It's like right here. And so Pam's like, well, if it's really close, just get out and walk. Just We're not going to drive you there. Why, why are you person. in our van? Yeah. And he says, you guys could stay for dinner. Mm-hmm. My brother makes a mean head cheese. And everyone appropriates like, nope, we have a long drive home. We can't no do thanks. that. Get out, you know. No, thank you. And so the, then the hitchhiker tries to get Franklin to pay him $2 for this Polaroid. And Franklin's like, it's a bad picture. And also, I didn't ask you to take it. So right. now the pitch, hitchhiker's demeanor is totally changed. And he takes out, like, a little, I don't know what it is, like, birdshot or something, and he puts a piece of tinfoil, and he sets the photo on fire. And, like, explodes into flames in his hand. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? And so they're like, you got to get out of here. And as Jerry starts to pull over, the hitchhiker takes the straight razor, and he slashes Franklin's arm. Like, pretty badly. 
Yeah. So everyone's screaming and he's pulling over and they they force the hitchhiker out and they're trying to get back on the highway and the hitchhiker's running alongside the van and smearing blood on the side of it. Oh my and Jerry, God. And Jerry says appropriately, that's the last goddamn hitchhiker I ever pick up. Thanks, Jerry, for like being clued in here. Don't do that. Right, but they, to be fair, they were not, again, you have to, if you're in a horror movie, you have to communicate. So they should have yes. said, Jerry, this guy slashed his own hand with a knife. Pull right. over the Pull van over, right we're now. kicking him out. Do it right now. So I think Jerry, maybe he did, because he couldn't see what was happening, they were not telling him. So, you know, Pam, because she's just a real problem solver, is like, how do I, you know, diffuse the situation? We just had, Franklin just got slashed by this psycho. Right, you know, blood all over the car. So Pam says, oh, I'll read Franklin's horoscope. That's, everyone loves that, right? After you've had some sort of trauma, it's just hearing your uh, horoscope. And his horoscope is, travel in the country, long-range plans, and upsetting persons around you could make this a disturbing and unpredictable day. The events of the world are not doing much either to cheer one up. I don't like that. This is why you should have read your horoscope. I mean, this is, I think, fundamentally the issue with horoscopes where it's like, then what could he have done about it? Like, if that's true and this is what's happening, well, then there's nothing that Franklin or any of them could have done to prevent this. Yes. It was already literally written in this book. Right. And then right. she reads Sally's horoscope and she goes, oh, no. Sally is a Capricorn. And Capricorns oh, no. are ruled by Saturn, which you've already established is in retrograde which is evil for whatever I'm reason. Also a Capricorn. Oh, this is perfect then. <laughs> and her fortune is there are moments when we cannot believe that what is happening is really true. <laughs> Evergreen. <laughs> Pinch yourself and you may find out that it is. No. Yeah, I guess that one at least is vague enough that I'm like, okay, sure. But the other, Franklin's was like, this is going to be a disturbing and unpredictable day. Yeah, That's also so you're specific. like driving through the country. It's like exactly what they are doing. So I think we're supposed to think, I, I mean, I don't know really, but I, I sort of took it as like, there's nothing they could have done. Like we could say what they could have done and we obviously are going to weigh in what their mistakes were at the end of the episode as we always do. But this was already going to happen. Yes. These things just happen yeah. and they might as well be right. set in stone. There's nothing you could have done. Ugh, so like they that. stopped to get some gas at a little gas station. The girls go to the bathroom and, but the gas station owner says, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm completely out of gas. <laughs> like, the tanker should be here later today or maybe in the morning. But we're, it's like bumfuck in the middle of nowhere, you right. know? And, and Kirk and Jerry are like, oh, God damn it. We should have gotten gas before we left. Obviously. Also, we don't know how far they're driving. But, like, let's say it's going to be a while. Right. They'll need gas. You know, so they're starting talking. It's like, oh, shit, you know. And this is like, just like you should always have a charged phone. Yeah. In a horror movie, you have to have a full tank of gas. You have to times. have a full tank of gas. Especially if you're going on a road trip. But I guess we're like, oh, they're in their 20s, and they're like, oh, we didn't think about it, you know? Yeah. People in their 20s are dumb, so. And Franklin says, oh, do you know where my, where this, like, particular house is? My, it was my grandfather's. It was, like, our, the family homestead. And the gas station owner's like, oh, you know, I don't think you want to go around messing around with, like, an abandoned house, you know? And, and when he says it, it's with the indication of, like, he's trying to tell them not to go there. Because right. maybe there's some stuff going on in the neighborhood that they're not going to want to get mixed up. You right. Know? Also, like, if the gas station attendant knows enough of what's going on to be like, don't do that, things are bad. And Franklin's like, oh, no, no, like, my father owns the house. Like, that's where my grandfather lived. Like, it's totally fine, you know. And the gas station's like, hey, guys, like, hey, you know, we have barbecue here. So, like, why don't you just eat some barbecue and hang out? Like, the, tr the refueling truck should be here in a couple hours. Like, just stay here. Don't go to, the, don't go to that house. And so they say, no, thank you, sir. We'll take our barbecue to go, and we will go to this abandoned house. And nope. then we'll, they're like, we'll come back in a couple hours and just get, 
gas then. So we'll just hang out there and then go back. Which in real life is not a bad plan. No, no, it no. I simply, see it. Yes. Oh, but you here, see it. this is bad. This is bad. Yeah. And so Franklin, who is, I want to be clear, a weirdo, he is also the one who starts to be the first one who's like, you know, there's blood from that guy on my knife. And it started to make me wonder, like, when he smeared blood on the side of the van, was he, like, marking the van? Like, he's not going to come after us. And they're like, oh, Franklin, you dumbass. There's no way that guy will come after us. Oh, my God. Listen to Franklin. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, like, he and Sally have are, like, alone. They have, like, a heart-to-heart. He's like, I know you didn't want me to come with you guys. And, like, you know, he's oh, sort God. of like the brother who's like— sure. Doesn't have, have friends. To, yeah, bring your brother with you. Exactly. He's not doing anything else. Bring your brother to go see if your grandfather's grave got, got dug up by those body snatchers. You better take him. Like, where are their parents? Like, why would you send your two yes. children to yes. do this? Where, I mean, they're yeah. adults, but... Yeah. No. If I find out that my father's grave was potentially dug up, I would maybe take the afternoon off work and go there myself. I would not send my two children. No, I would actually have the police do it. I wouldn't go near it. <laughs> but that's just me. That's a great point. But I guess they're in the area. We're going to stop by our grandfather's sure. house. You know, we're going to maybe go to the creek, go to the watering hole, and, like, swim for a little bit, and then we'll go back. You know, so everyone's like, Franklin, you're being ridiculous. So they go there, and they start to, like, go through this abandoned house. And it's, it, like, the timeline doesn't exactly make sense because it's, like, Sally says, oh, you know, we came here and I stayed in this room when I was eight. We came to visit. The house looks like it's been standing abandoned for 50 years. Yeah. And they're like 18, maybe at the 25 at the absolute latest. Right. But I think they're younger. So I'm like, so the grandfather died and then your parents just let this gigantic house fall to shit? Yeah. That seems like an odd choice. First is like, oh, my great-grandfather or something or like. Right, right. there's something about it where I'm like, I just feel like I, I wanted to have the real estate details about that. Did they try to sell it? It was just too remote. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they go and it's this gigantic, beautiful old house, but that has fallen to shit. Like there's the windows are all blown out and the ivy is sort of grown in. Like this is like completely falling apart. And of course it is terrifying. Franklin, because he's in a wheelchair, can't go inside the house. So Perfect. Franklin is sort of just like stuck outside. And so he's getting more and more like, perturbed. And in the, while we're in the car, we see that he has given Sally the his pocket knife to open her bottle of Coke from the gas okay. station. So she's using a pocket knife covered in a stranger's blood, and they wipe it off. But I was but, like, this is another 70s no, thing. No, no. Yeah, where it's like cleanliness is a different, there's a different scale of what you should be doing. Right. I guess they didn't know about germ theory. Like, I don't know, like, you were using something that was not sanitized, so, like, you're now you're going to drink out of the Put top of the bottle. your mouth on it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't trust it. But now Franklin can't find the knife. And he's like, where did you put it? You know, you had it last. And she's like, I gave it back to you. So they're sort of squabbling. And and then Sally, Kirk, Pam, and Jerry go into the house. And they're kind of like looking around. And uh, finally Kirk and Pam are decide, okay, we're going to go to the watering hole for an hour. So Franklin will like be back. Peace. Is he just like sitting outside in the lawn? Yes. Yeah, it's like, we're not going to help you. At a certain point, he gets into the uh, first floor, but it's all covered in debris. Right. And so it's like, and he's like, oh, and he's like talking to himself. He's like, oh, Franklin, it's going to be so fun. And he's like blowing raspberries. (laughs) So it's like, he's kind of obnoxious, but he's not wrong. No, he's correct. They all immediately ditch him to go like up into the house. And so um, Kirk and Pam are like, we're going to go to the watering hole for like an hour, you know, to fuck or whatever. And it's like 95 degrees. Bye. Peace out, Franklin. So Franklin is just, like, ditched and left, like, near the van. Yeah. 
And so they, they leave him. And then while Franklin's like looking around the first floor, he sees what looks like a nest made out of human bones, or not human oh. bones, like animal bones, feathers. Oh. But it's very intentionally created like that art piece of artwork. And so he starts to yell for Sally and he looks up to yell up the stairs and he sees what looks like a wind chime made of bones. Oh. Hanging from the ceiling. Artsy. Whimsical. So Franklin's like, oh, fuck, this is not good. So he's trying to shout for any of them, but they're far enough away they can't hear him. Okay. So now Franklin is having like, okay, something is actually Something going is wrong. wrong here. And this is why we have ADA standards for buildings. Is that like, <laughs> if, if, well, if, to be fair, it's an abandoned building, but it's like a person in a wheelchair should be able to go anywhere they want, especially because they could alert you to the fact that there is some sort of bone-snatching Yes. Serial killer, mutant family. Artiste. Artiste. <laughs> he is a very avant-garde style. Very, very Etsy store, you know? <laughs> right. But it's like, I would, I want everyone in a wheelchair to be able to go wherever they yes. want, especially if they were going to come to me and tell me, I think we had to get out of here because something is direly yes. wrong. Yes, yes, So Kirk and Pam go to the watering hole, but it's so hot, it's all dried out. So they're like, well, shit, you know? But while they're there, they hear a generator running and they see a house sort of like a little bit of fire away. So Kirk says, oh, they have a generator. We could ask to borrow some gas. And then I'll I'll pay. I have a couple dollars. I'll just pay them for it or whatever. And Pam's like, okay. So they go over to the house. They're looking around. And there's sort of an area where there's a net and sort of um, a camouflaged area. And there's all these cars, like abandoned cars. So that's like a little little strange. Never great. But they make it to the house. And the house looks very cute. It has like a little swing. And, you know, it's all put together nicely. It looks like a normal, like, country house. Kirk goes up to the door and he knocks on it. And uh, it's like, oh, hello, sorry. Is there any way we could, like, buy some gas? Which, again, is a 70s thing. Like, I've never yeah. just personally bought gas bought off gas somebody. From, and, yeah, not from another person. <laughs> yeah, and, and Kirk has no sense, right? So he's knocking on the door, uh, on the screen door. And Pam's like, can we just leave? Like, nobody's here. And she goes to sit on the, on the swing. And um, Kirk accidentally kicks something on the porch. And he looks down, and it's a human tooth. Oh. And so Kirk does something. That I think, um, part of me is like, well, Kirk, you really asked for it. He t- picked up the human tooth that is supposed to be like, oh, fuck, there's a human tooth. We got to get out of here. He give, he said, hey, Pam, open your hand. And he puts it in her hand as like a prank. And Pam's like, oh, my God. But neither of them realize, like, why is there a human tooth? They're just like, yeah, a tooth. Not like, wait, hold on. This came from someone's head. Where is that person? Where's the person? Who took it out? Exactly. So Kirk finally opens the door, like the screen door, to knock on the real door. And he knocks on the door, and it swings open. And Allison, do you know what he hears from inside? Mm. A pig squealing. (gasps) Oh, no. And Allison, I have to ask you at this point in the movie, what would you do in this situation? What would you do? I would go back to the car, grab Franklin, get back to the gas station. Yes. Get there. Just get there. Because yes. that guy knows something's up, and, like, you can at least wait there yes. for the gas tanker. Exactly. Fill up, and get the fuck out of there. And you could eat some delicious barbecue while you're there. Yeah, I don't know what they're not doing that for. They did bring the barbecue with them. So but they everybody knows that to. it's better to eat barbecue where you get it, and it really doesn't travel. It does not travel well. Yeah, exactly. That's a safety tip from this episode, is eat your barbecue where you get it. Yeah. So Kirk knocks on the door, it opens, and Allison... He goes inside the building. Of course. Why wouldn't he? He goes in, and immediately a pig runs out in the hallway, and then behind it, the star of our film, Leatherface. 
Le- Leather that's face. right. Leatherface. That's the name. Yes. Leatherface. And at first I thought, oh, Leatherface is like um like the fan name for him, or maybe it's like uh Bazuzu in the uh, Exorcist, where like that's what it's called in the text, but it's never but said no aloud. Yeah. At some it. point, somebody calls him Leatherface, which I thought was fun. That is fun. That's fun. Leatherface is a gigantic, uh, sort of a linebacker built sort of gentleman. Yeah. With a mask made out of some kind of leather. Mm, I think we know what that is. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that can be made into a leather, and mm. we will find out soon. Leatherface, within a second, hits Kirk in the head with a sledgehammer. Kirk does not die right away. He, is, he starts seizing on the floor. It's horrible. Ugh. And then Leatherhead, again, hits him with the hammer, and Kirk is toast. That's it. And he's sort of dragged oh, into this other room. Meanwhile, dead. dead. Okay. Absolutely dead. Pam is outside, and she's like, uh, Kirk, Kirk, are you, you inside that house? You should come out now, Kirk. Where are you? So then she goes inside. No. And she's looking around, she's like, Kirk. Why are, wait, the question is, why go inside? Well, right. okay. But I guess if he's not coming out at a certain yes. point, you are like, I have to go figure what's out what's going on, or just leave him. Yes, and I feel like my policy in real life is if we were ever in this scenario and I go into a building and I do not come out and I do not reply, just leave. For everyone that knows me, if if I'm ever in this scenario, if I don't come out, like, after a certain amount of time, you are free to go. You do not have to come after me. Exactly. So Pam goes, of course, into the the house to look for him, and she hears kind of some rustling, and she, she opens a curtain to walk into a room and immediately trips onto the floor. And the floor is covered in feathers and no. bones. And she's looking around, and it's just sort of like her horrified face, which is kind of funny because, like, you see her look at something, like a skull dangling from a string, and she's horrified. But then she looks, and she sees a chicken in a birdcage, and she's equally horrified because clearly they just, like, got her reactions all at one point in time. Yeah. Like, she sees, like, uh, like, a bench, which you actually see in the trailer, like a bench with, like, a human skeleton sprawled over yes. it. And then she also sees a turtle shell, and she's, like, equally as horrified. It's like, one of those is worse, but sure, just be upset. And to be fair, you are, she's on the ground in, a, like, essentially a nest of bones and feather. Yeah. Feathers. And there's all these, like, horrifying things, like a human skull with, like, a cow's horn through its mouth. Oh and it has, God. like, a crown of chicken feathers. And, you know, so she's screaming and trying to get yes. to her feet, horrified. Smart. And she gets up and she runs. But unfortunately, as soon as she gets to the porch, which is a very iconic shot from the movie— Leatherhead is right behind her. Leatherface. Leatherface Leatherface is, his whole head is made of leather. I want to be clear. He has like a hair and a, you know. But Leatherface is right behind her and he grabs her and he drags her back inside. Yes. Yes. Iconic scene. Iconic. So Leatherface grabs Pam, drags her inside, and takes takes her to sort of his butcher shop or abattoir. His creative space. Yes. Exactly. As an artist, he's a place to think, you know, to be himself. And I think it's sort of be the parallel to, like, the slaughterhouse. Like, this is his yeah. slaughterhouse. Right. So he takes Pam, and he puts her alive on a meat hook. So he sort of drives it through her back, is what we're supposed oh, to think. Oh, God. And so she's screaming and trying to get away still. And then he he gets a chainsaw. And we see behind her, there's a bucket. You're like, oh, is he going to chainsaw her? No, he's going to chainsaw her boyfriend, Kirk, who is mercifully dead, as far as we know. Yeah, at that point, I'd rather be Kirk. He's going to hack him apart with a chainsaw. So back at the house, Franklin is like, Jerry and Sally, do you not think it's odd that there is a symbol written in blood on the side of the van? Like, and also there's that bones I saw. And Jerry's like, he's going to kill you, Franklin. It probably doesn't mean anything, huh? You worry too much. Well, he couldn't find us anyway. 
I mean, he doesn't even know our names. I gave him your name, Franklin. I told him where you live. Jerry's laughing. He's having the time of his life teaching Franklin about this. Ugh. Get it together. You're the driver. Be better. So Jerry says, hey, I'm going to go down to the creek and tell Kirk and Pandal, wrap it up. We're going to go back to the gas station. So he leaves. And I'm thinking, okay, hypothetically, how fast can a wheelchair go? Like, yeah, can someone right. in a wheelchair outpace Somebody someone, running. specifically Leatherface? Yeah. And because I'm thinking that's the only way they're going to get out of here at this point. Yeah. So uh, so Jerry leaves and leaves Franklin and Sally, and they're kind of fighting. And that's when Franklin's like, you didn't want me to come, didn't you? And she's like, no, I'm just tired. But she's obviously super annoyed with him. Right. And Franklin's like, you don't believe in that horoscope stuff. And Sally says, I don't know. Everything means something, I guess. Okay. Uh, no, also no. not true. Not true. Another false statement. Yeah, that's not, that doesn't mean anything. And I guess maybe that's my pushback on this, on the horoscope element of this movie is that they could make some choices right now. They could yeah. leave. They could walk out of there. Right. They could wait for, they could have said, Jerry, you're not going, we're just going to drive away. There are steps you could take. Things are not Many. written in the stars. Many. Especially Leatherface is not written in the stars. No, that's not in anybody's horoscope. So Jerry makes it over to the Leatherface's house. And again, doesn't know it's Leatherface's house. It looks great. There's like a, a rose bush on the outside. It's really right. nice. But he does see Kirk and Pam, like they took a, a beach blanket. And so it's sort of thrown over the porch. She's like, okay, well, they're inside. And he hears, uh, you know, sort of like a deranged laughter. And oh. I guess because it's the 70s, he's like, oh, they're pranking me. They're inside yeah, this, and they're pranking me. It seems like a prank, like a very prank-heavy decade, the 70s. So Jerry goes inside the house like they've all been doing, and he goes into the uh, slaughterhouse, the slaughtering room, and he hears sort of rustling inside a freezer, and a still-alive Pam shoots up, like, screaming. So Pam was alive but locked in the freezer. Oh, my God. She preserved his meat, I suppose. Unfortunately, before Jerry could even react, Leatherface bursts in and hits him with a sledgehammer and locks Pam back up in the, lo- in the freezer. Now they're all, all three of them are pretty much fucked, right? Yeah. And also, Leatherface does not talk. He just, like, grunts and screams, which is even more distressing. Oh, my God, that's so upsetting. (laughs) And at one point, he smiles, and we see that each of his teeth are filed down, so they're like a little pair of fangs. Oh, my God. What? Why? No. Cut to Allison. It is full-on nighttime. No. And Uh -uh. Sally and Franklin, Sally's honking the horde as if Jerry is, like, somehow, like, oh, right. Sorry, got held up. (laughs) Right, at the crick or whatever, I'm going to come back here. And Franklin's like, they must have gotten lost. We are driving back to the gas station. We are calling for help for someone to come help us look for yes. them. Yes, yes. We are getting yes. out of here. Also, Thank I, you. I am in a wheelchair, bitch. Like, it's the middle of the night. Like, I can't. we can't just go down, like, through the woods. No. You know what I mean? Like, And Sally's like, I am not leaving here without Jerry. Mistake number 1,000. Yeah. Huge Sometimes mistake. you have to leave without Jerry is yeah. the moral of a lot of horror movies. Just leave without Jerry. Yes. Leave without Jerry. So Franklin's like, no, let me see. And then he looks and they, of course, Jerry has the keys. So they couldn't even drive out of there if oh, they wanted God. to. I think they should just hit the road walking. Yeah, just start be. getting the fuck out of there. Just exactly. Go back to the gas station and call somebody. But, you know, and, and Sally's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to take the flashlight. I'm going to find Jerry. And Franklin's like, please, just, I'm going to go with you. So she's pushing Franklin's wheelchair through the brush, like the underbrush. Like, there's not really, I guess it's sort of a path. But it's like, it is the dead of night. If Jerry is lost, you are going to get lost then, too. Right. And if Jerry is not lost and is, in fact, dead or something, you are now— You are going to be dead, too. It's too late for Jerry. 
so they're, they're, you know, they're yelling Jerry's name, like, Jerry, Jerry, you know. And so as they're going, literally, they turn, and Leatherface is just there with a chainsaw. And he drives the chainsaw no. into Franklin's chest. So oh, my God. everybody but Sally is dead. Dead. And we are, like, I guess we're, like, the halfway mark in the film. So now she halfway. is— Halfway? <laughs> a little bit. It's, it's, it's a short film. It's the perfect right. uh, length. I think uh, most horror movies need to be shorter. Agreed. But she's the only one who is alive. Franklin, yeah. poor Franklin, has been chainsawed in half, essentially. And he, now much of the film is just Leatherface chasing Sally. <laughs> God. So Sally. A nightmare. And Sally is wearing like sort of like a lavender top and like bright white bell bottoms. So she's very visible in, in the, the dark. like dark, yeah. in the early evening dark. So he can see her and he is, they are both running full speed. And at one point, like her hair is getting tangled and she like runs to a thicket and she's like trapped. She's just screaming. Oh my God. My nightmare. And, oh, exactly. And she's, I mean, she's doing a great job, but she eventually gets free and she runs towards the closest house. Unfortunately, it's Leatherface's house. Of course it is. Who else's house would it be? Who else lives out there? I mean, I guess it's supposed to think it's abandoned abandoned houses and Leatherface are the right. only people who live out there. Sure. What a neighborhood. And so she runs inside. She's able to lock the door. But then she turns around. She's like, oh, this isn't good. So she runs upstairs, which again, that cliche of horror movies, like a uh, right. hot blonde with big boobs running up the stairs. Right. She runs up and she sees like an older couple sitting in sort of like an attic room. And she runs up to them. Unfortunately, yeah. they are, of course, corpses. Yeah. So she's like, help me. Oh, you're dead too. Are they just regular corpses or are they kind of like a pastiche of several corpses? They appear to be just corpses. Okay. So I think we're just supposed to think, okay, these are some of the bodies that, are they from the um, cemetery or they are perhaps Leatherface's family? You know, so we yeah. don't know at this point what they are. So she sees them. She's like, oh, gosh, she has to run down the stairs. And then she does the thing that you have to do, and, and so few people do in horror movies, which is she just jumps straight through a second-story window out of the ground. Oh, yeah. And she's, she's badly hurt, but at least now she has a head start from yes. Leatherface. Yes, So she is booking it, and Leatherface is running. Like, they're both running full speed. This is I would be dead because I cannot oh. sustain this level of speed. Maybe 50 yards. And she is like, she. I mean, she's in great shape. She is just like running as fast as she possibly can. And what's the other, the only thing around there is the gas station. So, so finally she gets to the back of the building and luckily it's the gas station. Okay. So she runs in and like, again, like a lot of the films we've done, she's like, have you been up, like she can't explain what's going right. on. And the gas station owner is like, what, what, what? She's like, you have to call the police. And he says, well, we don't have a phone here. Like I'll have to drive you to Childress. Like that's, that's the closest phone. And it's like, well, then get your keys, bitch. Yeah, let's you know, get like, in the car and get moving. We got stuff to do. He's like, calm down. We'll go get some, I'll go get the truck or whatever. He runs to get the truck, and she's sitting there, and she's just, like, trying not to panic, trying not to panic. And then she starts to look around, and, well, she looks in the barbecue pit, Allison. Mm. You know, there's a lot of meat in there. No. And so when the guy gets back, he's like, okay, great, so come get in my truck. And then he turns, and he has a burlap bag in his hand. Why? And inside the burlap bag is, unfortunately, rope. No. So she's like, you motherfucker. And so she grabs like a butcher block and she grabs a knife so out of it. So he's like in on it with leather. He's face? in on it. He's These in two on are it. running a whole scam. And they don't specifically call it out. Well, they do later, but it's like he, he, the leather face kills these people and this guy cooks them. Okay. Was that what they ate? Did they eat people? The implication is yes, they have eaten people. And you do see Franklin at one point, he's eating a rib and he looks at it. 
And he keeps eating it. So I guess maybe that's, they didn't want to seed it too early that that's yeah, probably course. human. But I get it now. All right. Yes. Well, I that's think gross. we're to think everyone who goes to this butcher shop and they got like sausages and like all this different oh my meat God. That, that had been human meat. And I guess maybe this is an indictment of like the capitalist system, you know, that they had to kill these people to sustain their small business. Yeah. But probably not. It's probably just a cannibal. No, it's just like, what if they ate people? Is that something? And it's like, yep, that's terrifying. And the gas station owner's like, "Uh, don't worry, just cooperate. We'll have no trouble. It's like, I saw that guy with a chainsaw chase me, and that's trouble. Also, cooperate so you can kill and cook me? That's what cooperating is. Unfortunately, he hits her with a broom and knocks the knife out of her hand, and then he's able to subdue her and gets her in the bag. Oh, my God. So I guess my question is, who will survive? survive. Allison, the people that we have seen who are still alive are Sally, the hitchhiker, the gas station attendant who is referred to as the old man. Even though he's not that old. I mean, he's, he's, I guess, 70 years old. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, he's probably 50. And then, of course, our dear friend Leatherface. Who do you think is going to get out of this alive? I think Sally dies. Okay. I think Leatherface survives. Mm-hmm. This feels like a bad guy wins situation. So I'm going to say Leatherface and then everyone else is dead. Okay, great. Maybe the hitchhiker survives just for like a weird twist. Okay, great. Yeah, I was going to say, is there any, uh, would you like to guess the twist if there is a twist in this kind of film? Guess the twist. Maybe that the hitchhiker is in on it. Great. Wonderful stuff. That's my guess. I don't know. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. For 25 years... Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. He throws her in the wheel well of the passenger seat and he drives to, of course, Leatherface's house. And as he drives up, we see Leatherface's brother show up. And Leatherface's brother is, of course, the hitchhiker. Yeah, that's not surprising. Exactly. I mean, again, he's the only other person we've met. So it's the end of reason. They're all part of a disgusting family. And it's not said, but I guess we're to assume the gas station owner is their father or their uncle or or some other paternal figure. Sure. And they're just, like, screaming at each other and, like, really abusive, which is what, like, to me, this is closer to what this kind of family would be like 
Versus, like, I feel like we have this idea of, like, Hannibal Lecter as, like, a serial killer. And it's right. like, no, I think most serial killers are, like, deeply disturbed. Abuse. From abusive homes. Yes. Like, it's a cycle. It's, like, generations of abuse that cause this. Like, it's not just an erudite professor or, right. like, psychiatrist who eats people. You know right. what I mean? Like, no, I think that that's often not the case. <laughs> yeah, like, Ed Gein, not that, like, a therapist could have stopped him, but, like, clearly he was very disturbed. Like, yes. something was wrong, yes. you know, in that house and with him. Yes. And uh, so they take her inside, and we sort of realize um, there, there's one more member of the family, and they bring down Grandpa, who is one of the corpses in the attic. And so they drag him downstairs, and they kind oh. of prop him up, but Allison, he's not a corpse. He's alive. Oh. And we know that because they slice Sally's finger and they feed her, Grandpa her finger like he's a little baby bird or something. And he sucks the blood out of her finger. No. So he looks dead. I don't really know why, but he's not. And Sally mercifully then passes out for a little while. Thank God. To give her I a mean, break. Scary, but, you know, at right. least she's not awake. Yeah, unfortunately, she does wake up and she is tied to a chair at the dinner table with oh. this disgusting family. Yes. And uh, we find out that the gas station owner is like, I can't kill the people, I just cook them. As oh, if okay. that, like, makes any difference. Yeah, that's a code he lives by. And, you know, they tell her, you know, Grandpa used to be the best killer of all. He worked at the slaughterhouse. And I guess we're supposed to think it's like, at some point, this family lost the distinction between killing animals and humans, which perhaps yeah. makes us a vegan, a pro-vegan Movie yeah. of like maybe things start to slip when you were you killing when you're killing when you're living just massacring animals. other animals. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so they say, hey, maybe Grandpa should have some fun and he can kill Sally. You know, like for a change. Normally it's me and Leatherface. Leatherface has the touch, but we could have him kill her. Luckily, Grandpa is so um, much a corpse. I guess he can't yeah. hold the sledgehammer. So there's this long scene where Sally, who is screaming and screaming, is being held over a bucket. And they keep having to try to put the sledgehammer in Grandpa's hand, and he just, like, can't hold it, so it keeps falling out. <laughs> and, like, it keeps falling to the ground over and over again, and she's screaming and, like, flailing around. And there's, they're too focused on having Grandpa, like, have right, fun it's just with like, it. It's like, just how often are people driving through this area? Just do it. Kill her. Right, exactly. And I, th- I guess we're to assume that the uh, abandoned cars were, like, people who got— Others. Yeah. Is that they, over the uh, course of time, uh, have been killed— and so uh, in the kerfuffle of Grandpa dropping the sledgehammer and not being able to kill her, Sally is able to escape. Oh, wow. She jumps through another window. Oh, my God, this girl. This woman is going, yeah, she is going to live, right? So she jumps out, but obviously she's, like, injured or legs injured, and it's dawn. Like, now it's daytime again. Oh, my God, so much, so much time has passed. And so she's running, and now Hitch, the hitchhiker and Leatherface, who, again, Leatherface must be in the best shape of anyone's life. He is running full speed. With a chainsaw. Oh, I should also add that at a certain point, he put on sort of a female-looking leather face oh. and outfit. So I think that's supposed to hearken to Ed Gein's. He I'm also sure. sort of had female corpses that he dressed as, and it was sort of had to do with his mother, I think. Yep. So Sounds I guess right. leather face. Yeah, I think a lot of these guys probably had problems with their mother, if I had to guess. I would um, guess that. That sounds yeah. right. And so they're running, they're running, she's basically gets to the road and a truck stops and a trucker gets out. And I was like, oh my God, is this trucker just in this movie so he can be chainsawed again by oh, Leatherface? Like, God. I just felt so bad for him. I know. And so he gets out to help. She's covered in blood. So he's like, oh my God, were you hit? And he gets out and then Leatherface gets onto the road and both of them are running. And I was like, oh no, this oh poor trucker. And so we're running. He's like, like just trying to get back to work. Right, exactly. I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of trucking is like, 
getting into situations where you're like, oh, cool, a guy with a leather human skin mask and a chainsaw is suddenly coming out of the woods at me. Running after this 20-year-old. And so, yeah, exactly. So he has, luckily he has a wrench and he turns and he throws it at Leatherface. And Leatherface comedically falls to the ground and he drops the chainsaw on his own leg. And so it sort of starts to like hack through his leg. But that doesn't stop Leatherface. No, he's an athlete. He gets up and he starts, he keeps chasing them. And I I was still like at this point in the movie fixated on the trucker because I just feel so bad for him that he just like entered this scenario. But luckily Leatherface seems really intent on killing Sally. So the trucker kind of takes off and like, you know, keeps going. And a uh, pickup truck stops to pick up Sally. Like the the pickup truck sees what's going on, pulls a Yui and stops for her to get in. Of course it stalls. So Leatherface is like on her. And finally the truck starts and she drives away. This is a very iconic scene. It's dawn. She's like laughing. She's crying, but then she starts laughing hysterically because she was able to escape. And then um, Leatherface, instead of chasing the trucker or going home, just is uh, spinning around joyfully with his chainsaw against a beautiful dawn. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the end, Allison. Oh I do know the scene of her bloody, like, being yes. taken away in the truck, like, towards the sun. But wow, what an ending. And this is, like, um, sort of a the horror trope of the final girl. Yes. Like, she, the, the final young woman, beautiful wh- young white woman who gets to survive. Yeah, <laughs> great. But yeah, she's going to have a lot of explaining to do to her family, I think, when she gets home. Yeah, a lot of people are dead now. Allison, please, could you tell me what some fatal mistakes the people in this movie have made. Fatal mistakes. Picking up a hitchhiker, number one. Biggest mistake. Don't do that. Like, they, none of this would have happened. But then I think about it, and I'm like, well, what would have... It's like, well, stay at the gas station. But the gas station turned out to be a problem. Like, go to the hat. Like, right. embarking on this journey at all... I mean, the moral of the story is always have a full tank of gas and always have your cell phone charged. Not that that cell phone would have helped them, but it's like always be prepared because if something were to happen, you do not want to be stuck in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, And another segment that I like to call 50 Nifty United States of Chainsaw Massacres. (laughs) I was thinking like, so this is the Texas version of a chainsaw massacre. So I'm from Ohio and Allison is from Maryland. So in your mind, what would a Maryland chainsaw massacre look like? It would be on a lot. There'd be a lot of... uh, docks involved? Yes. It would be a boat. It would be like their boat broke down. Yeah, it'd be a boat. You're in a boat. It breaks down. You pull up to like a marina. Mm-hmm. And there'd be a lot of like crabbing paraphernalia. Like this mm. wouldn't be, you know, a butcher's slaughterhouse. This would be like a seafood. Because like that's also, sca- it's also super scary. Terrifying. That would be, I would love that. Like, yeah, like crab, like, crab- like claw crackers. Yeah, claw crackers. And, and like cages, the cages yes. that like the for crabbing and stuff like that. I love it all of Leatherface's looks would be, like, very preppy. Like, it'd be, like, a sweater, like, somebody's skin <laughs> tied over his shoulders like a sweater. <laughs> yeah, it would be, yeah, like, leather boat shoes made out of, like, a hu- human female feet. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I think that'd be so fun. <gasps> it'd be fun. A romp. I started to think of what uh, the Ohio Chainsaw Massacre would be. And it is sort of similar to the Texas one, but I, in my mind, instead of doing barbecue, it would be, like, Skyline Chili uh, yes. made out of human meat. Yes. So, like, head to it 5A with, like, spaghetti and cheese and onions. Yeah. Um, and everyone would be wearing an Ohio State sweatshirt. Yeah, the Ohio State. That yes. would be the the Ohio State. So, I think that would be the main difference. Yeah. But those sound fun. You know, I think every state would do it differently, and that's why, allegedly, this is a beautiful union of, of 50 different places. Right. We all have our own cannibalistic body-snatching <laughs> serial killers for, that we can call our own. Yeah, different flavors. So... So, finally, where would you rate this on the spooky scale of 1 to 10 screams? 
a spooky scale. I would put this because this is not based on a true story, but certainly is inspired mm-hmm. by the kind of terrifying crimes that we see. Like, I think it's a nine. Oh, a nine. Okay, great. This to me is the scariest type where it's just like, someone's coming to kill you and it's super scary and it's super torturously painful. Yes. Like that to me, like that can happen. That does happen. So. Unfortunately, yes. It at least yeah. happened once with Ed Gein. Oh. I, I would say I'm going to give it a seven because I feel like I was not so spooked out, but I was also um, watching it at home. But to me, sure. this is the kind of thing you see in the theater. Yeah. If they ever return in the theater with your friends, with the idea that this is real, that's terrifying. So it gets a couple more points from me for That's that. a scary experience. So, Well, guys, wow. I'm glad that we got to do a movie you haven't seen. That was so fun. It was an absolute treat. I, I really enjoyed it. And I hope uh, you guys listening at home enjoyed it, too. Um, thank you for joining us as we continue our October full of spooks and scares. We have a bonus episode for Halloween, so don't skip that one. That is coming up. Yeah, get ready. Don't miss it by subscribing to the podcast. Rate, review, tell your friends, all the stuff. This is so fun. We love doing it, so please let us keep doing it. Yeah, and in the meantime, (laughs) you know what we're going to tell you to do. Mm. Keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.